Hi, I'm David Goforth, pastor at Grace Baptist Church. So glad that you're taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I want to let you know we're here to help you. If you have any questions, please visit our website, gbcwc.org, and contact us. We'd love to help. Amen. Take your Bibles, if you would, please open them up to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 3. We are going to be looking at 1 Timothy 3 and 1 Peter 2 this morning as God gives time. We're talking about the church. One of the things that I appreciate about Grace Baptist Church is that yes, it's important that you are here, that you are participating, but I like the fact that this is a church that I get to stand up and simply preach God's Word. I don't have to convince you that God's Word matters. I don't have to do a lot of rah-rah cheerleading to try to get you to be tricked into doing what God's Word says. I am thankful that I simply need to point out what God's Word says so that you can understand it. It's very important that we realize, and what we're studying here in our study for the next couple of weeks is we're studying why church Why is it that we have church? Church has been changed greatly. I think all of us understand that the early church did not go to church like we are going to church this morning. They did not have the privilege of going and meeting in a place that was designated. They did not have the income to be able to support a place, a structure like this, to come and gather together. It would have been a much different type of situation. And throughout the centuries, throughout the millennia, church has been affected in what people think. So what we are doing is we are looking back into Scripture to find out what God intended the church to be. Sometimes things can get used for other reasons and it can perhaps ruin the purpose and maybe even ruin the other reason. I remember as a youth pastor, um, I was always looking for something that I could carry candy in and I found a bag that was perfect. You could take this bag, it was a square green bag, it was kind of rigid and so if I took it on a bus, it was insulated enough that it wouldn't necessarily melt all the candy and then you could open it up and stand it up and it was silent. It wasn't a plastic bag where, you know, people were digging through and kids could come up and they could reach into the bag. And that was, I just thought, this is perfect. And so I, I got it. I filled it up with candy and I brought it and I used it for probably about three or four weeks. And, and back then we had a, a, a bus that ran on Wednesday night. And so we would have sometimes different children would be and different young people would be a part of our Wednesday night uh, teen meeting very frequently. And I remember distinctly as we were uh, passing out candy, that there was one child who just stopped in his tracks and looked at me. And then looked at the bag of candy and I said, do you want some? And he shook his head, no. And I said, well, it's here for anybody. Anybody can get whatever they want. And he got this horrified look on his face. And he looked at me like. And then somebody else walked up and they reached into the candy and they pulled out a Tootsie Pop. And then he just kind of looked at me, he walked over and he, he said, oh, this is the exact same bag that my dad brought grandma home in. And I said, What? He said, yeah, he went to the funeral home to pick up her ashes, and he came home with this, this exact bag, this color, everything. And then he pointed down to the corner, and there was a little tree down in the corner of the bag, and it said dignity underneath it. And then I realized, hmm, I have no idea where the, the bag just showed up in the teen room. And I thought, man, this is a perfect bag. And I can remember thinking, oh. Well, I told him, I said, well, it's, it's been repurposed. It's got saved and baptized, and now it's a candy bag. And so everything's okay. Do you want any candy? And what do you think he said? I said, no thanks. <laughs> no thanks. Um, and I remember sitting there thinking, what a different reaction. Every other visitor that came, I said, hey, do you want some candy? They looked at the bag. They were like, oh, yeah, let's go up and get some. But when I said, hey, do you want some? He looked at that bag and said, ugh, I do not want to get near. 
And you see, some people have learned church culturally. They have learned church based on what they have grown up in, and they have not learned church from God's Word. So what we have been doing is we've been looking at church from God's Word. Now last week, just as a quick reminder, we looked at the reality, and we talked about it this morning, that there's a new covenant, that the way God is working is different than it has been in the past. In the past, he went to the Jews. He said, listen, you're going to be my nation. I'm going to be, you're going to be the testimony of me, of the fact that there's a one God, that he's a powerful God, that he's a redeeming God. You're going to go throughout, and you're going to show Oh, my goodness to the nations and the children of Israel took the different things that God gave them. And instead of using them out of acts of obedience, they said, okay, these are the things that we have to do to try and gain favor with God. And God talked to them numerous times throughout the Old Testament. We don't have time this morning to re-preach last week's message. So if you weren't here, please go and look at it. But Jesus said through the prophets, God said through the prophets, there's going to come a time when I'm going to work differently. Instead of giving you a law from the outside saying these are the things that you have to do, I'm going to write it on your heart. You see, this morning we had the Lord's table. You say, well, isn't that a law that God has given us? Well, it was instructions that God gave us, but it was a gift that God gave us. And this morning, when it was time for, for the Lord's table, it should not have been, oh, okay, the silver things are up there. I see the sheet. They're going to fold that. It's time for this. Oh, I have to do this again. There should be something that is driving you toward that. There should be something inside of you that says, I want to commune more with that reality. I want to bring that from the past, and I want to make it a part of my current contemporary life. God said, I'm going to write it on your heart. And so we looked at the fact that God said, he's, number one, he's going to do it internally. We talked about that last week. We said that he was going to do it relationally. That it was going to be done not through a system of do's and don'ts, but through a personal walk with the Lord. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. And so church is not to be looked at as a part of the instructions that God gives us in order to do churchy things. It is to be looked at completely differently because God is actually not going to tell the church to tell you what to do. You're a part of the church and you're going to act differently. So it's, it's internally, it is relationally. And the last thing that we looked at really quickly last week was that it's done corporately. What do I mean by corporately? Well, Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, we looked at this. It said, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head of the feet, I have no need of you. Think, if you thought of Jesus Christ through the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit has inspired these words. He wants you to think about a church a certain way. And he wants you to think about church like you think about your body. Okay? And you do not get up every day and go, today, I don't really need my feet. Don't really need my hands. Now, I know some of you say, I think my children sometimes get up and they, for they forget to use their brain. I, I understand that. There are times we look at some people and we think, okay, did you forget to engage all of, you know, the frontal lobe, everything? But we can't do that as a human being. We understand that if I am going to operate, all of the body has to participate. Now, I, I may not think all the way through everything that is going on, but the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the eye, I don't need you. And that goes completely against the modern cultural ideal that we look at the church as what it can do for us instead of looking at the church like a body. How crazy would it be for our hand or our foot to only show up four times a month? That's, that's not how a body operates. We would think something is wrong with that. What if any one part of your body only operated intermittently? No, it is supposed to be in operation the entire time, so it's done corporately. Um, and, and the Bible says in verse, uh, Corinthians 12, it says, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And so it's easy to look at it. If I showed up today, or if I didn't show up today, or if I showed up, every once in a while, it would be very noticeable, right? 
How long would the church go with me coming, let's say 50% of the time? No, let's say 75% of the time. Let's say a solid 75% of the time your pastor showed up at church. How long before the, the, the church said, we've got a problem with the pastor? Two weeks, three weeks? Would it get that long? But see, the, and when the Bible, the King James says feeble, it doesn't mean feeble as in less powerful. It just means it, that we don't understand the necessity of it. But see, there are other parts of the body that routinely think, oh, the body doesn't need me today. And God's word is specifically saying, you can't say that. If you're a part of a body, you can't arbitrarily say, I'm not going to be part of the body today. You can't look at another part of the body and say, we don't need you. You can't look at something else and say, no, this is not it. And, and this is where it gets difficult because we have so many people that become part of a body and our culture has turned church into an event. And think about it. We have modern churches that say, hey, listen, our body is too big to all get together in one place. So we're going to have convenient times for all the body to get together at seven different times over the weekend. That doesn't make sense with God's word. That does not make sense for the body to say, hey, we're just going. Now listen, if it's seven different churches meeting in one building, that's, that's, I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about the church that says, listen, we're going to have numerous places and we're going to have satellite bodies. If you have satellite bodies or part of your body that has left your body, it's usually because you wanted to get rid of it or your body needed to get rid of it and it wasn't part of your body. You don't actually place it. It says, you know what, I want to go to the mall. Well, sweetheart, I don't want to go to the mall. Here, take my left leg. Drag that around the mall. I'm staying home and I'm watching football. You can't do that. But see, our modern culture twists it all around. And here's the other thing. is with the body, we understand the body operates together. So it is corporate. And now we're going to move on to look at a couple things. And we need to get this. And again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to rah-rah, sis-boom-bah, convince you of this. I'm going to present it from God's word so that you understand, so that you can fight the cultural norm. Because let me tell you something, folks. The cultural norm is pushing church out of your life. It is moving it from being a part where it is Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, sometimes on Thursday, and sometimes on Saturday. Now it is reducing it to less than an hour one time a week, and don't let the preacher preach too long. And that is completely, listen, I'm, Pastor, you're just fussing because you're, I'm, I'm trying to teach you from God's Word. And if you think this isn't God's Word, I would love to dialogue about it. But we're going to look at that in 1 Timothy. Are you there in 1 Timothy? Let's look at, the, look at verse 3, chapter 3, verse 14. Chapter 3, verse 14. Just going to look at some truths that, that Paul says out here. After he gives the qualifications for the pastors and for the deacons of a church, the two offices of the church, he says in verse 14, These things write unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. Timothy, I have written you this letter, and I'm hoping to come so we can talk about this more. But, verse 15, if I tarry long, or if it takes me a while to get to you, so at least you will know how to behave in the house of God. So that you'll know how to operate within the church. Because listen, there weren't lots of churches. Timothy could not, think about this, all of you folks that have been to seminary, Timothy did not have to go to a church history class. He was church history. There was no, okay, this is how, I mean, it, it was taught specifically to him from the foundational people, the apostles, the apostle Paul. He says, I'm going to write these things, I'm going to come and I'm going to tell you, so you know how to behave in the church. But if I tarry long, listen, here's what I want you to do. 
But then he says something about the church. He says, behave in the church, and then he defines what it is. I'm going to look at these two things really quickly. Look what he says. The church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So number one, we looked at the fact that the church is different. It's internal, it's relational, it's corporate. Number two, I want you to see this. The church is God's. We do not have the right to redefine it. Understand that. Well, this culture needs this. Well, listen, it's going to look different for every culture. Just like I have learned that there are certain things that I thought were universal that weren't universal. Okay? I thought everybody celebrated Christmas like the Goforce celebrate Christmas. I now know the Goforce are a very strange breed of people. And nobody really celebrates it like the Goforce celebrate it. Day's family, her mother and father made sure everybody got an equal amount of gifts my mother routinely said, wow, this person got loaded up this year. One time, and mom's watching this, she's going to deny this, but one time mom bought three pairs of boots for, all, for her two sons and her son-in-law. I thought, hey, they will love these boots, but I got them three years in a row. I was wearing them the second year. And she goes, oh, you like those kind of boots? Good. And I looked at them, but these boots were a little bit bigger. They were Roscoe's size. And then the year later, I got another pair of boots that were my brother's size. And then I realized, oh, I got my, and so what did I do? I laughed at them because I got their boots. They lost out. That's the way it works in my house, okay? But I soon learned people do things. So it's, it's not that every church is going to look the same. Not every church is going to have blue pews. Not every church is going to have an orchestra. Not every church is going to have a choir. Not every church is going to have a screen. Not every church is going to look exactly like this. But in its basic core function, we do not have the right to say this is church. God says it is the church of the living God. It is his idea. It is something that he has placed here. We do not have the right to switch it up. Ladies, how crazy would it be for you if you're invited over to somebody's house to walk in and go, oh no, you can't do, you can't decorate like this and just start hanging pictures in different places, moving couches. What, what would happen, ladies, if somebody walked into your kitchen and said, oh my word, well, who put this kitchen together? Let me change this around to make a normal thing. I see some husbands and wives looking at each other. I maybe some of you had a struggle getting through. Some, there, some folks looking at each other go, hey, we, we've gone through this. But the reality is, you don't have a right to redefine it. You only have a responsibility to recognize it and serve within it. That's important. It is the church of the living God. So number one, the church is different. Number two, the church is God's. Number three, the church is to be a pillar and foundation. The Bible says pillar and ground of the truth. Now, where was Paul writing this letter to? He was writing to Timothy, but where was Timothy pastoring? City of Ephesus. What was Ephesus famous for? Temple of Artemis, Temple of Diana. Okay? When he said pillar and foundation of the truth, there would have been one picture in the Ephesians' mind. Listen to this quote from Antipater of Sidon. He's the one who listed the world's seven wonders. Listen to what he wrote about the temple of Artemis. He said, I have set eyes on the wall of lofty Babylon on which is a road for chariots and the statue of Zeus by the Alpheus and the hanging gardens and the Colossus of the sun or the Colossus of Rhodes and the huge labor of the high pyramids and the vast tomb of Mausolus. But when I saw the house of Artemis that mounted to the clouds, those other marvels lost their brilliancy. And I said, lo, apart from Olympus, the sun never looked on any sight so grand. So when he talked 
When this person talked about the seven wonders of the world, he says there are wonders, and then there's a wonder that's more wonderful than all the other wonders. And this is what it looked like. Let's put the picture up of the Temple of Artemis. Now, what do you notice about this temple when you look at it? Pillars. Lots of pillars. Thank you. I did not pay him to say that. So, when he said the pillar and ground of the truth, listen, these pillars, 127 pillars all around this temple, these pillars were, uh, they had, they were studded with jewels. Some of them had gold on them. Uh, they were very, very brilliant. They were, many were decorated by different kings and different folks from different areas as homage to Artemis, to Diana. But this pillar, and if you see this picture, you see the pillars going up, you see the foundation at the bottom. When you walked up to this temple, all you saw was pillars and foundation. That's, that was, it was a very unique structure, and it was a glorious and it was a grand structure. And so when Paul said to Timothy, listen, the church is the pillar and ground. It's the pillar, it's the foundation of what? It's the pillar and foundation of truth. So understand, that changes why I go to church. Because I don't go to church to see what I can get out of it. Because I, as part of God's church, it is my job to both hold up and display the truth. You see, this church is not supposed to cater to the needs of the community to give the community what it needs so they can come in, be a part of our church, and then we sneak attack them with the gospel. Let's, let's do this, and let's do this, and let's do this, and then when they're not looking, let's get them saved. No. There are so many churches that, that that's what they actually, they say, go in and find out what your community needs. No, no, no. God says, it's my church, and let me tell you what the community needs. It needs truth. And there's going to be a way for them to get that truth. Now get this. That truth is going to come to them through this wonderful, majestic idea that God came up with, and he calls it the church. You see, the church isn't here for us to get together on Sunday and enjoy each other and look at each other and see how pretty each other are. The church is here to hold up, to display God's truth. Now, I am not saying that there are not things that are going to be done that are not necessarily, ideally, going to be springing immediately from the necessity of truth, but everything is to display God's truth. Our maintenance department, our secretarial department, our choir, our awana, everything is not to do just its job. It is to be a part of being the pillar and foundation of truth. And it's very easy to get distracted. Grace Christian School teachers, you can get distracted and say, hey, I am here to educate. No, you're the pillar and ground of the truth. I'm, I'm here to, to clean, to, to vacuum carpets. I'm, I'm here to wash windows. I'm, I'm here to keep grass mowed. I'm, I'm here to answer phones. I'm, I'm here to warm this pew. I'm here to be a part of my Sunday school class. No, no, no. You're, you're a part of God's church who is to hold up and display his truth. And, he, and the amazing thing is, is that Peter tells us some more about this, and we have some time, but we don't have enough time. So we're going to have to come back next week. But let me give you this one thought. The church, to be the pillar and ground of the truth, has to be filled with church members who are dedicated to the ministry of the church. Not to the programs and activities of a calendar. 
And we have to be very careful. Yes, we have a school. We have games. Yes, we have Awana. Yes, we have Sunday school. Yes, we have so many different things happening. But it is so easy to get focused on the activities and what activities have to happen. But see, this choir, does this choir need to practice? Does the orchestra need to practice? Yes. They can't just get up together and wing it. Praise the Lord, our musicians don't wing it. But understand, they have to realize their place in being the pillar and ground of the truth, and it has to come from within. Our job as a church is not to get together and enjoy each other. Our job is to walk with the Lord, get together, and accomplish His will as His church. And that's not going to happen because we have a 9.30 service or because we have an 11 service or because we have a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or because we have a men's prayer study uh, or Bible study on Saturday and a ladies' Bible study on Tuesday or because we have a men's prayer time on, on Tuesday mornings. Or, or, or it's, it's not because of the programs, but understand, the church is the people within. It has to bubble out from within us. And I firmly believe that many of the things that the church has started doing Maybe started because it bubbled out of one person, but then other people looked at it and said, hey, that program works, let's do it. And so we started doing programs instead of bringing people where the love of God, the truth of God, the praise to God was bubbling out of their personal walk and it was spilling out and encouraging and strengthening each other. This is God's church, not yours. It is for him to display his truth. This is going to sound mean, not for you to get your needs met. Will your needs get met? Oh yeah, we're going to talk about that because Ephesians, Ephesians 4 is going to talk about that. Because when you're walking with the Lord, man, the different parts of the body minister to each other and we all grow in the Lord and it's a majestic thing. But when you get it turned around and we go, well, what's there for me? What, 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 what do I have? Are my needs being met? Are people calling me? Am I getting the thank you notes? Am I getting all of the, and we turn this around and we, we, we stop realizing that, hey, I'm here because this is God's place. And I've got a job to display his truth. Now, two weeks ago, I asked you just to look at your week, just to look at your life, to look at your reaction to the church, and to put your life with the church into Acts 2. The day of Pentecost has happened, and now the church moves forward based on your relationship to the pillar and ground of the truth. And I challenge you to continue looking at that, to continue examining to continue looking at your motive. Why are you here this morning? Why are you coming back here tonight? Why are you going to be here Wednesday? Or why aren't you going to be here tonight? What has God told you that makes you think, I do not have to be here? What has God told you that makes you think, I do not need to participate with the ladies in their Bible study or with the children in their Awana or with the church in its Sunday school? What is it that God has instructed you to do as part of the body to be separate from the body? And I also want to ask some of you that have been sitting on your hands waiting for God to do something, saying, well, why don't they start this program or why don't they start this program? What is God instructing you to do through your church body? We don't have to have a program. Fellas, we don't have to have a men's Bible study after the ladies' Bible study. Guys, if you're here and you want to have a Bible study, if God's working in your heart, have a Bible study. Get together with some other men. If you want to get together and pray, get together and pray. Grace Christian School students, homeschool students, you're a part of this church. What is God instructing you to do? Don't wait for your teachers to say, hey, this is what we're going to do. It bubbles up from within. What is it that God wants the body to accomplish? We operate because it's his 
and we operate to accomplish his way. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. We are going to have a come forward invitation. Perhaps you're here and during the communion service you realize you don't have a relationship with Christ. You don't have that personal walk. You don't have that relationship. You don't have the Christ life in you. I want to give you an opportunity to come forward to let us take our Bible and show you how you can know Christ. But also church members, if you're here and you realize that you, like I, have been affected by our cultural norms of church, that church has to accomplish certain things for certain people in order to do, instead of realizing, okay, God, it's yours, what's my place in the body? Perhaps you'd like to come forward and pray. Simply ask the Lord to redirect your heart to his word and to a love for his place. This invitation's for you. We're not going to have a long invitation. If the Holy Spirit's working in your heart, I'd encourage you to step out as soon as you hear the piano. The piano will begin to play right after prayer. If God's working, you step out and do business with him. Lord, thank you for teaching us from your word. I pray that you would direct us to truth. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's precious name, amen. As the piano plays, you come.